0: Kiora, and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host, I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining us today, tonight whatever time it is, wherever you're living, in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. a word that conjures up an image of finality of this human body. Death comes to us all at some stage, it's an inevitable, inescapable, unavoidable part of living. Most of us accept that fact, but we don't tend to think about it, or about our own eventual deaths, until it's brought to our attention with the death of a loved one, acquaintance, or even celebrity, where it's generally plastered all over media outlets, so it's really in your face so to speak then we might think about it for a little while put it to the back of our minds and go on with our day-to-day living or we might consider how we ourselves might leave this physical reality when our time here is over personally i have no fear of death whatsoever to me it's merely walking through one door into another room and life continues on albeit in a different form However, the manner of my death is another thing entirely. Of course, like some of you, I would much prefer to go peacefully in my sleep than in any other way. For some people though, their manner of passing from this realm is very, very peculiar, unusual and frankly pretty scary, albeit absolutely unexplained. Can you imagine someone just sitting, enjoying a cup of tea or watching TV when suddenly, with no apparent reason, their body is engulfed in flames? Flames that start from no external source but from within their own bodies. How frightening would that be? This is called spontaneous human combustion and is the subject of our episode today. I'm giving you all fair warning now, I will be sharing things that have happened in some cases, maybe a little bit gruesome for some people to hear, also giving a little back history on this subject. So, if this is going to be upsetting or distressing to you, then it might pay to give this episode a miss. Having said that, are you willing and ready to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. Spontaneous human combustion is a subject that has frankly both fascinated and, if I'm honest, scared me a wee bit since I first read about it in my early teens. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for some time. When I first thought about starting the creation of this podcast, I made a list of topics I wanted to cover at one time or another. This was number three on my list of about 20 or so subjects I thought about for episodes. What is spontaneous human combustion? Well, why don't we start with some definitions of what precisely spontaneous combustion is. The Cambridge English Dictionary gives this definition a situation in which something suddenly starts to burn without any obvious cause. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary gives this definition, self-ignition of combustible material through chemical action such as oxidation of its constituents. So basically spontaneous human combustion then is when the human body self-ignites. But can humans spontaneously burst into flames? Can they? In a typical case of spontaneous human combustion, the victim is almost entirely consumed by the fire. Generally, this is in their own home. Often, however, parts of the body, such as hands and feet, remain intact. The room in which the victim dies usually shows few, if any, signs of a fire. Even if they were sitting on a chair, the person may be fully consumed by the fire, but the chair may only show signs of scorching or only be partly consumed by the fire. How is that even possible? In some cases of spontaneous human combustion occurring, along with the ash remains of the body, there's also an oily residue found at the site, often on the walls or the ceiling. Sometimes also a sweet, sickly smell is noticed in the room where the incident occurred. Usually in these cases, there's no evidence to be found of any sort of accelerant that could have caused the fire, or of any heat source that could have caused the body to burn. So then, what could have possibly caused this to happen? How could a human being spontaneously burst into flames and then burn almost completely or totally, while leaving their surroundings mostly unaffected? How could that happen? And importantly, is there any way of preventing it from occurring? Many people think that spontaneous human combustion is a real occurrence. However, most scientists aren't convinced. Most of them dismiss the idea that humans can catch fire for no reason. They say that many cases involved victims who were alone and close to a flame, such as a cigarette or a candle. Or that often the victims have been elderly or intoxicated and thus unable to put out the flames. Certainly, these could be valid observations in some, but not in all cases of spontaneous human combustion. From here on in, some of this information might be a bit gruesome for some to hear, so please be aware and continue listening with my caution. So, precisely how could this happen? How could a human body suddenly burst into flames? There's no doubt that bodies can burn, Crematorians routinely reduce bodies to ashes within a few hours. The mystery of spontaneous human combustion lies in the circumstances under which victims burst into flames. Generally, there's no obvious source of ignition, no open fires nearby that might set a person aflame. Furthermore, the victims are generally killed and not only partly burned on one arm or a leg. Spontaneous human combustion is usually fatal. However. There are the odd exceptions to this, which I'll discuss later. Some claim that burning often seems to begin in the chest or stomach area, leaving the grisly remains of legs and hands intact. It's scientifically known that in order for anything at all to be able to combust, there are three things that are required. One, a source of fuel. Two, an oxidising agent, which is generally the oxygen in the air. Three, very high heat. Our physical bodies are largely composed of water, in fact, 60 to 70% water, and as we all know, water by itself won't burn. So how is this scientifically possible? There are many theories or hypotheses as to how this might occur. Some of the possible explanations that have been put forward are high blood alcohol level, methane in the gut, static electricity, A new and currently undiscovered sort of subatomic particle called a pyroton, although this seemed to me the least plausible. And there are more which I will go over later in this episode. However, how convincing are any of these? Methane certainly could be a runner. Methane is a flammable gas which is produced by bacterial action in our gut and in the cow's gut. One hypothesis is that the methane in the gut is ignited by the action of enzymes, or by a spark from a buildup up of static electricity, but no one really knows what causes it to happen, what causes the actual ignition. In nature there are many examples of spontaneous combustion such as piles of damp straw or hay which can suddenly ignite. The bacteria present in the decomposition processes can generate enough heat to cause the gases produced during the fermentation of the hay to cause it to burst into flames. In Hamilton, in the North Island of New Zealand where I used to live, there are peat fields which can spontaneously burst into flames in the summer, I've seen that for myself many times over the years. Other things also, such as coal dust, piles of compost and used oily rags. There is a suggestion by some that the fat in the human body could act as a fuel source and that the person's hair or clothing could act the way a wick does in a candle. This is known as the wick effect. A candle is actually a long wick embedded in solid fat, be that beeswax, soy wax, or other sort of wax or fat. When you light the wick, the heat of the burning wick melts some of the fat which soaks into the wick and starts to burn itself. As further fat melts and soaks into the wick and burns, the candle slowly burns itself completely from the top downwards. Now, think of the body as a candle with an external wick. The fat is located just beneath the skin, where it is stored as subcutaneous fat. The wick is the person's clothing, the external initiating source of heat, perhaps a cigarette or a spark from some sort splits the skin and melts some of the fat that seeps out and soaks into the clothing and starts to burn. The burning then proceeds just as in a candle. Melted fat continues to soak into the clothing and to burn until the body is completely consumed, burning from the inside out, leaving the surroundings largely intact. Actually, in nature there is precedent for this. I've seen photos of trees that were hit by a bolt of lightning, which is the heat source. The tree then burns from the inside out, only affecting that tree and not the tree's surroundings. On the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com I've included a link to a video showing a tree burning from the inside out after being hit by lightning, not affecting another tree in very close proximity. In August of 1998, the BBC News published an article that stated that scientists had found the cause behind spontaneous human combustion. It talked about the wick effect, which I've already mentioned, and they tested this hypothesis using the body of a dead pig. Quote, using a dead pig wrapped in cloth, they simulated a human body being burned over a long period, and the chart effect was the same as in so-called spontaneous human combustion. End quote. They stated that this explains why the majority of the body rich in fat is generally destroyed whilst some of the areas are left completely untouched like the hands or the lower limbs. Now we have an idea of what spontaneous human combustion is and how it possibly happens but not necessarily what triggers it although it's hypothesized that the methane is ignited in the gut by enzyme action or by a spark from a build-up of static electricity. Another hypothesis was put forward by a British biologist and author, Brian Ford, who has another theory for the source of the enigmatic blazes. In a condition called ketosis, the human body produces small amounts of the flammable substance acetone, Ford believes that when a person is ill, they may produce enough acetone that a tiny spark, perhaps due to static electricity, could cause the person to catch fire and burn. Masked cell researcher Lawrence Afrin, MD, suggests that a rare condition called Masked Cell Activation Syndrome, or MCAS, may be the cause of a phenomenon. In MCAS, mast cells spontaneously release over 200 inflammatory molecules known as mediators, including the substance noradrenaline, nor epinephrine. Afrin describes a case report of a man with MCAS who grew ill, whose body appeared to smoke in the presence of several witnesses. Afrin writes that the release of large amounts of norepinephrine, or perhaps another mast cell-derived substance, could turn on a regulatory protein called UCP1 in greater than normal amounts. UCP1 causes adipose oxidisation to be released as heat. Adipose tissue, or fat tissue, is a non-repository of most cells. Under the right circumstances, a sudden flood of norepinephrine released from adipose mast cells could activate the UCP1 switch and cause heat generalisation in excess of 90 degrees Celsius. Once the adipose tissue were ignited, it would, in theory, burn itself out, inclusive of bone marrow. British chemist Dr John Elmsley suggests that cases of spontaneous human combustion could be the result of an overproduction of a pyrophonic liquid, diphosphane, in the gut. He postulates that the self-combustion of diphosphane would also result in the ignition of the hydrogen and methane gases in the gut, which would explain witnessed cases where blue flames were seen to originate from the abdomen Hydrogen burns with a pale blue flame. There's also a rare medical condition called Stevens-Johnson syndrome that in extreme cases may be mistaken for a case of aborted spontaneous combustion. The skin disease, which can be triggered by a toxic reaction to medications, including antibiotics and prescription painkillers, causes the appearance of severe burns and blisters and can be fatal. Then there are other theories put forward such as ball lightning hitting the victims, poltergeist activity or extreme stress. Now let's have a look at some of the actual over 200 reported and recorded cases of spontaneous human combustion. In 1641, a Danish doctor by the name of Thomas Bartholin wrote in his book, and I apologise, I know I am absolutely butchering this Latin pronunciation, Historiorum Anatomicarum Raorium. This was a book about strange and rare medical phenomena, and in it he talks about the death of an Italian knight called Polanus Vorstis, Apparently this knight had been enjoying some wine at home in Milan with his parents when he burped fire and was consumed by the flames and died. He stated that this information was obtained from one of the Forster's family's direct descendants. On to 1763, when a French man by the name of Jonas DuPont's book entitled De Incindis Corporis Humani Spontaneous wrote about the death on February the 20th in 1725 of an innkeeper by the name of Madame Nicole Millet. This lady by all accounts was a heavy drinker and all that remained of her was her skull, a few bones from her back and her lower legs. A straw bed near her corpse remained untouched. Her husband was tried for her murder but was eventually acquitted due to the testimony of a surgeon by the name of Dr. Claude Nicholas Lacat, who was staying at the inn and had been woken by the smell of smoke before Nicole's body was discovered. He convinced the court that her death was an act of God which was pretty fortunate for her husband. In 1731 an Italian Countess one Cornelia de Bandi died in a similar way she was put to bed by her maid after she had just completed one of her favorite wine and camphor baths all that was found of her in the morning was a pair of unburned legs and a skull sitting on the top of a pile of ashes the room was covered in soot but nothing else to suggest that there had been a fire apart from what was left of her body and an empty oil lantern it appeared that her body was burned so quickly that her torso disintegrated as she stood and her skull simply dropped onto the ashes below. In 1744, there was yet another similar story that appeared that happened to the body of a gin-soaked, pipe-smoking woman by the name of Grace Pett. She was likened to a log of wood consumed by a fire. So here we can see a pattern beginning to emerge. Alcohol was always present and the victims' surroundings were left untouched by the fire, so a theory was given which has persisted, at least in part, till this day, that the combination of human gases and alcohol had caused these victims to spontaneously combust. Actually, this phenomenon was so well known that it was written about quite often in literature over the years. Charles Dickens killed off an alcoholic shopkeeper by the name of Crook, by spontaneous human combustion in his 1853 novel, Bleak House. Charles described the haunting scene like this. Here is the small burnt patch of flooring. Here is the tinder form from a little bundle of burnt paper, but not so light as usual, seeming to be steeped in something. And here is... Is it the cinder of a small, charmed and broken log of wood sprinkled with bright ashes? Or is it coal? Oh horror He is here. The subject was also featured in three different books written by Nikolai Gogol and this phenomenon has also appeared in movies and on TV shows like the X Files. Then on to the 20th century, when we began to have photographic evidence of victims of spontaneous human combustion. Many gruesome black and white shots shown remaining ashes and limbs actually made the headlines, with a few famous cases. For those interested, I have added some of these photos to this episode's page on the podcast website com. They are hard to look at so please be aware of this if you choose to check them out. In 1938, in Chelmsford, England, in a ballroom, a woman by the name of Maybel Andrews was standing at the top of the ballroom stairs when in front of her horrified fiancé and a room full of witnesses, a flame erupted from her and then completely engulfed her with no apparent source of fire in the room. The Curious Case of Mary Risa On the 2nd of July 1951 in St. Petersburg, Florida, Mary Hardy Risa was visited by her son David Risa in the evening in her apartment. Mary told her son that she had taken two second-old tablets, a mild sedative commonly used to calm patients before surgery, and was possibly planning to take two more before bedtime. Later that night, Mary fell asleep in her chair. The next morning, Mary's landlady reported smelling smoke at around 5am, but it wasn't until 8am when the landlady was on her way to deliver a telegram to Mary that she noted smelling smoke again. She discovered soot in the hallway which led to Mary Reese's apartment and when she went to open the door, the handle was too hot to touch. She then asked some neighbours to help her get into the apartment where she found the cremated remains of Mary Risa, whose skull had reportedly shrunken to the size of a cup. Parts of her spine also remained, but most disturbingly was her foot completely untouched, still in her black satin slipper. According to cremation experts, Mary's body would have had to have burnt at 300 degrees Fahrenheit, or one hundred and forty eight point eight eight nine degrees Celsius for three to four hours, but apart from the chair satin, the surrounding area of the apartment was relatively unaffected by the fire near the side of the fire. The wall was unscorched and showing no signs of cracked paint, and the upper walls were blackened by soot and smoke, but the lower half was not. The apartment's light switches were scorched and melting but the plug outlet below was unaffected and a stack of newspapers nearby wasn't touched. Also, none of Mary's neighbours heard the fire that night despite firemen coming on the scene describing the heat as so intense they couldn't stand it but also found no signs of smouldering. Chief Detective Cass Burgess described the case as perplexing and Dr. Walton Krogman, professor of physical anthropology, was, quote, amazed and baffled, and could not conceive of such a complete cremation without more burning of the apartment itself, end quote. He also stated that in his 30-plus fire investigations, he had never seen a skull shrink like Mary's had, as most skulls usually swell or explode, he said, quote, the head is not left complete in ordinary burning cases. Certainly, it does not shrivel or symmetrically reduce to a smaller size. In the presence of heat sufficient to destroy soft tissues, the skull would literally explode in many pieces. I have never known any exceptions to this rule. Investigators sent samples of the chair, rug, debris and smoke to an FBI laboratory for chemical analysis but found no traces of combustibles. They did, however, find melted fat in the rug. There have been many speculations as to the course of the fire. A local mattress company pointed out that the regular chair stuffing would not cause such a fire and the material would only smolder for an extended period of time. Lightning and electrical failure was also ruled out on the scene. However, Mary was reportedly seen smoking a cigarette in that chair the night before. According to the FBI and the police, the fire was most likely started by Mary falling asleep whilst smoking a cigarette, which possibly led to her lighting her nightgown on fire. The FBI have said that once the body became ignited, almost complete destruction occurred from its own fatty tissues. December the 5th, 1966, the death of Dr. John Irving Bentley. This was the case I first read where I came across spontaneous human combustion back in my early teens. It both repelled, horrified and fascinated me, and what created my interest in the subject feelings that remain to this day. On the morning of December the 5th, a meter reader named Don Coswell led himself into Dr. Bentley's home to read the meter as he was allowed to do owing to Dr. Bentley's infirmity. While in the basement, Cosnell noticed, quote, a sweet smell like starting up a new oil-burning central heating system, end quote, and a light blue smoke. Investigating the area he found a pile of ashes on the ground then moved upstairs to find Dr. Bentley's cremated remains in his bathroom only his slippered foot and portion of his leg remaining untouched. The fire from his body burnt a hole in the linoleum floor dropping the pile of ashes Cosnell discovered and the hole created a stack effect a process of ventilation of cooler air resulting in a hotter longer burning flame which would explain the total destruction of Dr Bentley's body while his leg furthest from the hole in the floor was relatively untouched. On September the 15th 1982 a mentally handicapped woman named Jeannie Saffin was sitting with her elderly father and family having dinner at the kitchen table in Edmonton northern London. When a blue flame apparently emerged from her body, to her family's horror, her upper body suddenly became engulfed in the flames. Her brother-in-law, Don Carroll, said the flame shot from her stomach as she sat at the kitchen table. She was roaring like a dragon, he said. The kitchen wasn't damaged, but her cardigan melted. The inquest never sorted it out, but I know what I saw. The stove appeared to be unlit, and no smoke or fire damage could be found anywhere else in the room, even the wooden chair that she was sitting on at the time was spared. Mr Saffin and his son-in-law, Donald Carroll, managed to put out the blaze, but Jenny died eight days later of her third-degree burns. Her father had severe burns to his hands from trying to put out the flames on his daughter. Investigators at the scene could not find any evidence to the contrary of what Jenny's father had said. The room did not have any signs of burning or charring. The only charring was on Jenny Saffin's body. Investigators were dumbfounded and confused as to what happened to Jenny on that cool day in London, England. How was this possible that a woman sitting at her kitchen table suddenly burst into flames? Why did she remain calm as her father stated? The investigators looked at every angle and still had no answer as to why this woman burst into flames. Nothing around her was burnt. How was it possible for this woman to burn so severely and not leave behind any other signs of a fire? Investigators looked at the death scientifically and came away with more questions than answers. Today, the death of Jeannie Saffin is still an unsolved mystery that leaves one to believe that she did, indeed, become a statistic of spontaneous human combustion. In 2010... Seventy-six-year-old Michael Farty of Galway, Ireland, was found dead in his living room floor. His body was thoroughly burnt, with his head lying beside his open fireplace. The ceiling space immediately above his body showed burned marks, and so did the floor beneath it. Yet nothing else in Farty's home was torched. News of his tragic death probably wouldn't have spread beyond local obituaries if coroner Karen McLaughlin didn't point to spontaneous human combustion as its cause. This fire was thoroughly investigated, McLaughlin reported in an official statement, and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. Not everyone's convinced, though. Critics say that an amber from the fireplace could have landed on Fayette's clothing and started a fatal blaze. In 2015, an unnamed woman appeared to spontaneously combust while sitting on a park bench in Flensburg, Germany. As the flames sprouted from her body, horrified witnesses rushed to her aid. One chap used his jacket to beat out the fire, but she suffered severe burns over most of her body. The woman was in her late 40s and had come from Mauritius. Eyewitnesses told the local media that the woman didn't make a sound as the flames engulfed her. The news article doesn't state as she survived. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, Not all cases of spontaneous human combustion are fatal. There are occasionally survivors of the experience. Here are some examples. An 1836 edition of the Boston Medical and Surgical Journal contains a detailed report on the fiery experience of a 30-something University of Nashville mathematics professor called simply Mr. H., the report, authored in the previous year by Dr James Overton, describes in very precise terms how the professor's left Lee caught fire on January the 5th, 1835. Here's the basic story. In the middle of what was otherwise a normal day of classes and meteorological observations, Mr H was suddenly subjected to a sharp pain in his upper left leg. It began as a strong sensation, quote, as if produced by the pulling of a hair, end quote, and grew more and more severe until a small flame finally hatched. Though in great pain and certainly flabbergasted by this turn of events, the professor retained his presence of mind and was able to extinguish the flame by using his own hands to starve it of oxygen. Mr. H. survived the odd combustion and recovered. Later, in retelling his story to Dr. Overton, he described the flame as having a small base the size of a ten-cent coin and an appearance like that of mercury. The element of damage to Mr. H was a three-inch by three-quarter-inch burn wound inflicted on his leg. His trousers suffered no damage at all, but his drawers sported a brand-new hole in the exact size and shape of the wound. January 1932 From the Almanac of the Infamous, the Incredible and the Ignored by Juanita Rose Villaloni on a cold winter's day in Bladenborough, North Carolina, Charles Williamson was downstairs listening to the radio when his wife's cotton dress went up in flames. Her screams of terror brought Charles and their daughter to the rescue and together they were able to tear off her dress before it was too late. Though Mrs Williamson wasn't hurt, the dress was reduced to not being a dress anymore. Mrs. Williamson had not been in contact with flammable fluids or near anything that could have caused the ignition. In winter 1980, Cheshire, England resident, Suzanne Mottishead was standing in her kitchen wearing flame-resistant pyjamas when she was suddenly engulfed in a short-lived fire that seemed to ignite the fluff on her clothing but burnt out before it could set anything properly alight. Quote, I was in the kitchen, and my daughter just screamed out that well, my back was on fire. As I looked down, it sort of washed all over me. It was like yellow and blue flames all over me. I was not burnt at all; not even my hair was burnt. End quote. The daughter, Joanne Mottershead, confirms this account and adds that the fire brigade arrived and tried unsuccessfully to set fire to Susan's pajamas. June 1985, Frank Baker from Vermont, USA, served in the US Army in Vietnam. A highly decorated former soldier, he'd been preparing to go on a fishing trip with his friend Pete Wiley. He and his friend were sitting on his couch at home getting ready for their trip, when suddenly Frank just burst into flames. He initially had no idea what was happening to him until his friend pointed it out. They both leapt to their feet and the men were able to extinguish the fire that was on his torso and forearm and get him to the hospital. The doctor informed Frank that his injuries were unlike anything he had seen before. And the doctor told him, quote, Frank, this burned from the inside out, end quote. His experience was retold in an episode of the television series The Unexplained Files. Unfortunately for Frank, he experienced a second similar event while fishing in a Vermont lake, again with his friend Pete. He says that he felt no pain during either event. This next account is from John Heimer's book called The Entrancing Flame. On November the 16th, 1985, Gianna Winchester was riding in a car with her friend Leslie Scott as they drove along Seaboard Avenue in Jacksonville, Florida when Gianna, who was a naval airwoman, burst into flames and she screamed, get me out of here. Leslie, her friend, tried to beat out the flames with her hands and the car ran into a telephone pole. Winchester survived the fire experience with 20% of her body covered by burns. A patrolman by the name of T.G. Hendricks investigated the crash and found no spilt gas or accelerant in the car. He found that the white leather she was sitting on was a little browned, and the door panel had a little black on it but that was all the damage the car sustained from her body burning. When Gianna was interviewed later, she claimed to have no memory between riding in the car and waking up in the hospital but she said she wasn't smoking and the window was rolled up so nothing could have been thrown in. Most recently, in 2013, there was a case in India that made the headlines worldwide. Doctors in India were baffled by a three-month-old baby who has spontaneously burst into flames four times, according to his parents. The doctors actually stated in news conferences that it could have been a condition called spontaneous human combustion. I've included a small video on this case on this episode's website page at com, but was this actually a genuine case, or was it a case of Munchausen by Proxy Syndrome, a mental illness whereby a parent seeks to harm their child in order to get attention, only the parents know for sure, but his parents maintain their innocence. This is a subject that creates numerous feelings in people, not the least for some, myself included. Feelings of horror and fascination. And I sometimes think, did they feel pain? Were they even aware? In the case of Lucille, her family all stated that she was extremely calm. And I have read that in other cases as well, as if they're not even aware of what is happening to them. Let's hope that actually this is the case because it's too horrific for me anyway to think it might be any other way and one can only hope that they were at least spared that knowing. This subject raises so many questions and skeptics on spontaneous human combustion raise some good questions, questions like why would it only occur in humans? Why wouldn't it happen to cows or dogs or other animals as suddenly and randomly as it does with humans, suddenly bursting into balls of flame? Even with this phenomenon being so incredibly rare, with the billions of us and animals on the planet, then shouldn't we be seeing more of them, more often than we do? I don't have any answers, just more questions. But for me, this remains a subject of interest, notwithstanding feeling compassion for the remaining family members. Who knows? One day we may have some definitive answers, but for now, I guess it will continue to remain a mystery waiting to be solved. Our musical bumper today is called Shiro by Aussens at ITA, copyright 2017, licensed under Creative Commons. For more information, check out this episode's website page on our website at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me, or if any of you have any questions, suggestions, or any comments that you'd like to make, or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com. It does cost me to produce this podcast from the platform that I use to record guests' to the hosting and upkeep of the website. So if you like this show, then please consider supporting it on Patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website, check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed, at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. And... If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. Who knows? You may hear your review read out at the end of one of these podcasts. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and also from iHeartRadio as well. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more the merrier. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening.